step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. He is local, and he is a legend, and he's a yokel. Our friend Art Teal with us. Well, I told you, I was, I'm just tingling with anticipation of joining you on the show. Our old friend, Frank Hughes from Tacoma News Tribune, covered the Sonics. Well, Dick, first you're supposed to make me feel younger, not yeah. older. <laughs> Former voice of the Seahawks, Lee. Hacksaw Hamilton. Had a great run with Steve Rabel. We were there when the kingdom was noisy, and we were there when the kingdom was about to be torn down, too. Atkins rolls left this time. A lot of time. Pumps once. Now he throws a deep bomb in the end zone. He's got large and open. Touchdown, Seahawks. Atkins hung it up perfectly. Atkins drops back to pass on third down. Strong rush comes. He throws wide open at the one for the catch, and the Seahawks get six. Wow, we had to dig deep for those bad boys. Holy moly, joining us right now on the radio show. He's a local, he's a yokel, and he is absolutely a legend. Put your hands together, boys and girls, for a guy who was with the Seahawks at the age of 22 years old back in 1977, spent four years here with the Hawks. You know him, Huey. We all know him. Sam Adkins is with us. The former number 12, baby, is with us on the radio show. Sam, how are you, pal? David Softy Mahler, my oh my, a blast from the past. Yeah, well, listen, Hugh Millen's here, so we got three blasts from the past, I guess, as well. But, dude, I got to tell you, and I don't want to give out your phone number on the air, but was this planned because, the Hugh, the last four numbers of his cell phone are twelve twelve. okay? Was that planned? Was that just something that was just happened coincidentally, or did you ask for those numbers in your phone number? It was... Um... It was a landline that uh, when you could port landline numbers to cell phone numbers, that's when it changed gotcha. to my cell number. Gotcha. Not bad. So, Did you have to pay for it anything? Nope. No. I, in fact, um, it's a pretty funny story because I uh, dialed the wrong number, and they said this, this line's been disconnected, no longer in service. So I immediately called the phone company and said, Hey, uh, can I get that number? So, <laughs> <laughs> Resourceful. That's a, that's the way a quarterback yeah. ought to do it. So, uh, so Sam, you got to uh, think uh, on your feet. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of our <laughs> listeners that that don't remember Pat, uh, Jack Patera and and those early days of the Seahawks and and uh, uh, great highlight with Pete Gross uh, there. But but what's your favorite story because i know you're as uh, up for a chuckle as much as anybody what's your favorite story if you're talking to a young guy uh just just like 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 what gives you a chuckle every time you think about it from those days well uh from those days gosh it was uh, uh, a bunch of uh, characters and it was a turnstile and i think uh you know jack was um was the greatest defensive line coach in the history of the nfl a lot of people didn't know that, but he coached the Purple People Eaters in Minnesota, and he also coached the Fearsome Foursome in L.A. Mm-hmm. So uh, when he came out here, he wanted some familiarity, so he um, he would uh, bring a few familiar faces. And one of the guys that he brought with him 
was a guy that was a legend in Minnesota by the name of uh, Bob Lertzema. And he yep. went by the nickname of Benchwarmer Bob. And uh, he was famous for doing uh, Twin City Federal commercials, which was a bank in there. But Lurtzy was just, I mean, because he knew Jack so well, uh, he was not intimidated by Jack, you know, like us young rookies and things were. And so uh, Lurtz would always uh, be busting Jack. You know, Jack was so stoic and everything, trying to be different than he was in uh, Minnesota. And Lurtz was the only guy that could ever break him. But I've stayed in touch with uh, Bob over the years, and he would uh, he'd say, oh, God, I was just listening to the radio, and they were talking about the worst quarterbacks in NFL history. And that reminded me, I needed to give you a call. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, he'll be calling me next. Uh, Sam Atkins is with us. I, I, I was just thinking, guys, there's only been, you know, what, five players that have had their number retired by the Seahawks, and Sam's one of them. He's got his number 12 hanging from the rafters up there. You're actually the last player to wear number 12 for the Seahawks, and you're, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the only player? Is that right, Sam, to ever wear number 12? Well, yes, except for a half. Um, we were playing San Diego, and um, in those days, it wasn't like uh, today's where there's unlimited uh, uniform budgets and things like that. We only had two jerseys, and we were on the road in San Diego, and uh, Zorn's jersey gets torn. They go to get his backup jersey, and somebody had stolen it. Wow. So all of a sudden, they come to the sideline, and the ref stops the game and says, you got to get a new jersey because his shoulder pads are flopping around and stuff. And so all of a sudden, they look around and they says, Sam, give him your jersey. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. Go ahead. So then so so Zorn worked for a half. Well, the the rest of the story is that um, so Zorn's out there for that half. The next week we play the Houston Oilers, and we're blowing them out. So I get in the game, and then the following week, we're playing the Atlanta Falcons, the first Monday night game in uh, Seahawks history. And so I'm down on the field. Rabel and I are talking, and Jerry Glanville comes over, and he goes, Adkins, are my coaches messing me with me or not? I said, what do you mean? He says, they say they got you on film throwing left-handed, and they got you on film throwing right-handed. <laughs> and I said, and I said well, yeah. I said, it depends on who your best pass rusher is. I want to be able to see him. Wow. <laughs> and he threw out an ex- expletive and walked away. So, <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, I played for Jerry Gamble. I know he's a crack. But uh, I'll tell you what, I, I was kind of wondering about those highlights at the onset of our conversation, those great highlights from uh, uh, Pete, Pete Gross, Gross with right. Atkins to, to Largen, and now it comes together. It wasn't actually Atkins. It, it was, was Jim Zorn. Zorn. <laughs> it was Zorn. Jeez. Well, Sam Atkins is our guest. He's our no, local Yoko legend. one. You did? You got one to Largent? Okay. Well, Sam Atkins, Sam Atkins is with us, uh, former Seahawks quarterback back in the day. And, you know, Sam, I, I'm just curious about what – I don't know how else to ask it, so I'll just ask it this way. What life was like for a Seahawk player in 1977, right? Brand-new franchise, NFL footballs in town for the very first time. Tell us about what it was like that year when you guys showed up here for the very first time. 
It was as good as it gets because I came the second year of the franchise. This franchise was 76. I came in 77. But the excitement was great, and the people were awesome. Um, And the other thing is the income gap was not like it is today. There wasn't a great disparity because minimum minimum in the NFL in 1977 was $20,000 a year. Wow. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, boy. I know that's not for a radio personnel like you. I don't know how you could get by. So no, that's way more <laughs> yeah. than I make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, it was it was just great. In fact, you know, one of the uh, one of the things I remember was when uh, Cortez Kennedy was playing, and he had signed a new contract. And this was during the bearing era when you know there wasn't a lot of fan support. People were angry and things like that. And he says, Sam, they're paying me $9 million a year to play this sport. And he says, I'd give it all back if I could have played when you guys, with you guys when the fans loved you. Wow. And yeah. uh, Because that's a reputation we had. I mean, it was just uh, it was one big happy family. And also we had a great ownership group with the Nordstroms and Herman Sarkowski and Monty Bean and Howard S. Wright. And so it was a great ownership group that, that cared. And yeah. so – yeah, John's it, a legend uh, around here. It was a lot here. of fun. Well, you mentioned uh, 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 Cortez Kennedy. Uh, there's two other Hall of Famers a little older. We've already talked about uh, Largent, but also you had Kenny Easley. So you were throwing to Largent in practice and in some games there and, and going against Kenny Easley. Uh, again, for our listeners that, that never saw those guys, those, they're just they're just names as if it was like you and me, uh, Red Grange or something. It's just, it's just names. Yeah, but, but, that's but, it, exactly. Yeah, you know, you know so, but those guys, for, for guys that didn't see Large and, and didn't see Kenny Easley, just what are your memories of those guys? Uh, we know they were great players, but, but take us behind the scenes. What, what made them unique? What are memories you have about those guys? Well, um, Largent's uniqueness was his consistency. Because, as you know, Hugh, that uh, it, when you hit your back foot and can throw to a spot and know the receiver's going to be there and you're not concerned with how he gets there, it's that was Steve Largent. We would, uh, you, you know, fortunately he lived uh, over by me uh, in Woodenville, and so we got to work out quite a bit together. And, uh, I mean, it, it is unbelievable. And the quote on Largent was from Lester Hayes. He said, covering Steve Largent is like trying to cover smoke. Mm. And even though Steve wasn't the fastest, he was always open. And yeah. so that was best. And then Easley, he he was the predecessor to Cam Chancellor, you know, the guy, that the, the big, tall, rangy, strong safety that's chiseled out of granite, and um, but just an all-around great athlete. And the fun memory for – for ease was the fact that every morning during training camp over in Cheney, he and I would go at 5.30 in the morning and check in for breakfast and then leave and go play 18 holes of golf in an hour <laughs> and a half. And because and, 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 we'd, we'd be the first ones off, give the guy, pay for the cart, and then we would go, and it was just Kenny and me. Well, by the time... <laughs> Guys got wind of it. There were a few other guys. We had 16 guys one time show up to golf before practice one day and still still make it on time. Everybody made it, but it was, you know, wow. it was uh, You were given 10-foot putts to get out of there, right? Exactly. <laughs> were you guys we were used? There. 
We were out there dodging sprinklers and everything. Yeah, I love it. Well, Sam Atkins is with us on the air, former number 12 for the Seahawks. Uh, Only guy to wear number 12, except for Jim Zorn for a half, apparently, when his jersey broke up and they had to give him Sam's jersey. You mentioned the minimum salary back in the day. Drew Locke is Geno Smith's backup, Sam. He's making $4 million a year right now to hold a clipboard and be Geno Smith's backup. So you you were born about 40 years too early. Both you guys were, by the way, uh, to be honest with you. and you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world because I, the memories and everything else and and my regular job did did okay. So I was going to ask you because, uh, <laughs> Sam, a lot of people, I think, from the younger generation, and I guess we can say anything that's not us as the younger generation, they may know you more <laughs> as a broadcaster than a player, right? That's like correct. Pat, Pat Summerall, yeah. people know him more as a broadcaster versus a kicker. John Madden more as a broadcaster versus a coach. Maybe even some folks with John Gruden back when he was on Monday Night Football. So talk about that, about just kind of how you got into the broadcasting world because, hey, you don't see a lot of backup quarterbacks go on to have the media career that you had, man. Well, it was uh, it was by pure happenstance, and it was uh, Bob Rondo and Como. And when uh, Hugh Breedlove Millen was uh, on the team, but um, wow, they had two. They had two, uh, as they put it, broadcasters in the booth, and we they wanted someone with some football knowledge. So they auditioned twelve guys, and so uh, we went over to Como Studio, went into the newsroom, and they played uh, video, and we had to pretend like we were calling a game. I had no idea what was going on <laughs> as far as, you know, production, broadcasting, everything else. And so then um, they auditioned 12, and then a couple weeks later they called and said, hey, we'd like to have you uh, do the color commentary for the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, great, what do you do? <laughs> so he said, you just talk about football. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I, I will take the job if you will work with me every week that we review the game because you, you know, for your football life, you spoke in one language and now you have to speak English in 10 to 15 seconds. So instead of, you know, you see the coverage and you see it's cowboy inside kick, you can't say that on radio because people don't know what the heck you're talking about. So you have to break it down and saying, the two safeties are going to, or the, the safety in the corner, they're going to take this guy inside and outside if he breaks outside. He goes, well, yeah, that's a lot of words to get in. So I say, how can I say that shorter? And Bob would then translate for me. And so Bob was the one that really uh, set the foundation for my broadcasting. Well, Sam Atkins with us. And, and since you were analyzing me, you had to quickly learn how to, uh, the art of being critical of a fellow quarterback. So uh, I, I'm glad that I was able nope, to accelerate your much. development there in that regard. <laughs> you. The one thing I remember about you was I would always say, how does this guy get through a game when every time he goes to the sideline, he throws another 50 passes? I was a warm-up guy. I was a warm-up guy. Well, what, what about Geno Smith? Uh, be, be an analyst and, and your thoughts on him. I think he sl- surprised a lot of people, but uh, hopefully he's going to continue on the incline. What's your thoughts about Geno? Well, you know, Hugh, this is something that you and I can relate to. Uh, you played a lot more games than I did. But when you're a backup and you get a shot 
it's hard to get into the flow of the game because you're pressing so hard. You want to make a splash and say, hey, I want to show them that I'm good and I want to get more opportunities. So, boy, and you don't let the game come to you and you kind of force things that you don't normally do, that you didn't do when you were a starter in college or things like that. And so now, and and that's kind of, I think, where Gino has now feels like the starter. He got his contract and everything. So I think I agree with you that he's going to be continue his growth because now he feels like the leader of the team. The players are looking up to him. Yep. And he's earned the respect, and, that, and that's the biggest thing for the quarterback position is having the respect of your teammates. And so I think that uh, with, with Gino, now that it's his team, the, the other thing, too, is Shane does a great job of keeping him in his lane and not asking him to do too much. Thirdly is the new quarterback coach. Ole is going to really help him because he's been around the league. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's got a lot of insight. So I think that uh, those things are really going to help Geno's development this year because, as you well know, as a quarterback goes, so goes the team. Hey, man, awesome to hear your voice. Uh, love having you on. Um, it's, it, it's amazing that there's, there's so much mystique around the number 12 with this franchise, and you were the only guy to wear number 12 uh, for the Seahawks. Uh, that's a hell of an yeah. honor, man, and, and the fact that you got 12, 12 in your... You know, it's something I'm really proud of because of the, the status of the franchise. The franchise is held in such a high regard, and then to have number 12 associated with it, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun, so... No question. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, been a blast from the past. It has been a lot of fun to be with you guys. And be nice to Jackson. He does a good job. Yeah, we're trying. You know, he makes it hard, but we try. Hey, t- Sam, <laughs> tell folks kind of what you're doing these days, man. How are you spending your time now, man? I am fully retired and live up in uh, in uh, Ferndale. And uh, I help out at a golf course working uh, – mowing lawns and doing things just to, for something to do and Good playing lots of golf. Good for you. So, well, well, we'll we'll come on up there, and if uh, if we need uh, a tee hey. time, we know who to call, man. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a par three, I should tell you that. It's a little par three <laughs> at Sandy Point. So. Done. Even <laughs> You're better. You're welcome anytime. Good. All good. right, man. It's an easy walk. All Sa- right. Sam, great stuff. Great to hear your voice. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk soon, all right? All right, great. You guys take care. Great talking to you. You as well. Thanks, Sam. You bet. Sam Atkins with us, the last guy to wear number 12. You've, you've known Sam for a long time. Yeah, a long time. I remember great when dude. he was an analyst. Yeah, it, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big, like, a thick dude. Yes. Like, like thick. Right. Dude right. for a quarterback. Uh, 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 if, if you, I don't know if there's a picture there. Well, he you... was listed at 6'2", 215, which back then was pretty big for a quarterback, right? Back in 1977? Uh, uh, if, if he if, if he's 2'5", no, 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 no. When he no. played, 2'14". Yeah, well, and then, I don't know. He's I'm just, not sure what he is now. You'll have to ask him. That's up hey, to he you. Just, he, you know what? He just, yeah, just a, a thick guy. But, but you know, he it was a day and age when you you didn't have to be, you, you know, they carried three guys forever. Right. You know, right. and, and uh, uh, you know, he was just a colorful, everybody, you know, he's the kind of guy that everybody loved. You know, yep. I always yep. had a laugh, and, and uh, I, I don't think you could ever find somebody who would say a bad word about Sam Atkins. No doubt. All right, we're going to break. Brett Boone is going to join us, by the way, at 5 o'clock tonight. Mariners have the day off before their series for the Diamondbacks tomorrow. Uh, all right, you've been promising it the entire show. Show us your route tree. Next on 93.3 KJRFM. Our nonstop coverage of Seahawks training camp continues from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. Now back to Softy and Dick on Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM.
All right, Softy and Dick without Dick. Hugh Millen in for Dick Fane. Okay, that's pure nonsense. On the radio show, hanging out until 7 o'clock tonight. Julian Love, uh, Seahawks Safety. Going to hear from him coming up in the 6 p.m. hour. Brett Boone will join us courtesy of VenueKings.com. And talk about the Mariners. They are looking to go three games over 500 with a win tomorrow in Arizona for just the second time this year. Unbelievable. Uh, we're going to do the route tree, by the way, coming up about 528 today. Because uh, you asked us on the air today if we want to know what a route tree is and hear about your route tree. And you can tell us about your route tree. You don't show your route tree off very often. Normally, that's just something for the wife. But you'll share it with us at 528 today. Well, uh, yeah, and the, the fact show. that it was from yesterday mm-hmm. when Dick said, well, can DK Metcalf run the route tree? Exactly. Like, okay, that's pure nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Which people so, have said he can do. So we're going to have you go over all that at yeah, 528, yeah. okay, in an hour from now. Brett Boone, 5 o'clock. I want to go back to the story of the day in college football. Colorado leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. That's been confirmed. Press conference today. Colorado's president. It's time for us to leave the conference were his exact words, okay? So it's done. Brett McMurphy of the Action Sports Network, who used to work for ESPN, now with Action, was on with us on May the 18th, a couple of months ago. Remember, he was the one that came out and said that uh, UW and Oregon had been vetted by the Big Ten. Remember that report that came out a couple of months ago? I want you to hear what he says about that, what that means that they were vetted by the Big Ten. What does that mean for a timeline? What does it mean for the idea that they could actually join the Big Ten? Uh, I want you to listen to that, but then listen to what he says about what he thought it would take for the Big Ten to actually move on taking more teams from the Pac-12 besides USC and UCLA. Check this out. Brett McMurphy, a couple of months ago, talking about what it meant that UW and Oregon were vetted at that point in time by the Big Ten Conference. But sources told me that, yeah, the Big Ten has cleared and vetted and approved with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Washington and Oregon for the Big Ten. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to add Washington or Oregon. It basically means that both schools check off all the boxes required to become a Big Ten member. And so you're saying, well, then what's next? What ne- what's next is 
the Big Ten has to decide if they want to go beyond 16 schools. That's A. Probably more importantly, the 4A would be this. It has to make sense financially. The, the group of Big Ten schools with the addition of Oregon, Washington, or any other schools they bring in, those schools have to make more money per school, even with the addition of more schools. Um, and so that's a big question mark. The good news for Washington and Oregon is their Big Ten's ready to take them once they can determine if they can get more money. And then if they decide, obviously, new commissioner Tony Petiti decides we want to go beyond 16. I think it's not if, I think it's when. Wow. I don't think it's going to be this week, next week, next month. May not even be for a couple of years. I do think it's going to happen. Something else that I've been told is that the Big Ten does not want to have the Pac-12's blood on its hands. And by that, I mean they would not take untold Oregon and Washington if the conference remains at 10 schools. What's the, what does that mean? It means if some of the schools leave the Pac-12 to come to the Big 12 on their own and then – the conference is now suddenly losing members, then I think you could see the Big Ten come in and say, okay, well, the conference is basically disintegrating. Now we can go get Washington and Oregon. And also from the Big Ten side, we can actually, you know, look, this is no offense to Washington. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to rip them. I'm just being honest with you guys. They're, they're desperate. Washington and Oregon are desperate. So is everybody in the Pac-12. It's not just those two. Mm -hmm. They would join the Big Ten yesterday, but they need an invitation. If the, if the Pac-12 suddenly is falling apart, teams are exiting to the Big 12, you're losing members, then the Big Ten, in theory, can go to Washington and Oregon and say, you know what, instead of offering you X amount, we're going to offer you this amount, which would be a little bit less than maybe they thought they would get initially. But you know what? It's still going to be more than what they would have got in the Pac-12. You're in a much better conference security-wise. You're in one of the – forget the Power Five. It's the Power Two and everybody else right now. So you're in solid ground in your conference, and then it would take a number of years until you rev up to where you get a full revenue share. But it would be better than the alternative of trying to, you know, piece together whatever's left of the Pac-12. So – I think in the in the near future, what Washington fans need to keep an eye on is, you know, is the Pac-12, when are they going to announce their media rights deal? When is that going to happen? If some schools in the Pac-12, Pac most notably the likes of a Colorado or an Arizona, get fed up with waiting and decide the grass is greener in the Big 12 and leave for the Big 12, that could be the – that could be the – the rock, I guess, at the top of the mountain that starts rolling down the hill that, that causes the avalanche. Um, so if I'm a Washington fan and you want to get to the Big Ten and you don't care if the Pac-12 survives, then you're rooting for Colorado and or Arizona to lead for the Big 12. How about that?
That's rather timely, is it not? Uh, well, it is now. Current events. Yeah, it, it is now. Okay, uh, that, that's an interesting perspective. Um, that was that, his perspective two months ago. If, if you if you follow his argument, what what he's saying is that okay, the two parties that would get together, let's say Washington and Oregon, uh, rep- representing one, uh, I'll just uh, let me reduce it to Washington, Washington, and the Big Ten. So they said. What, what he said, he said Washington and Oregon would leave yesterday. Right. Okay. And then he said the Big Ten, they have concerns as to whether or not uh, they're financially viable. The Huskies, are, whether they're going to bring in it. And, and he said that the Big Ten has already vetted that and determined that Washington is a viable uh, entity. And so you say, okay, how is this conference that already pillaged the Pac-10, SC, and, and took SC and UCLA, you're saying that even though both parties would want to, to uh, unite, that the one thing that's preventing them is they don't want to be like like they have a uh, a, a pang of conscience, and they don't want to be the one that just. I'm I'm a okay. little bit sketchy I'll, on my. I'll explain back. it to you. I'll explain it to you, because I, I I remember thinking the same thing you did when he said that to us on the air. Why would the Big Ten? Uh, you did your capitalism socialism thing today. The, yeah. Your econ thing with Ian. Big Ten is a bunch of capitalists, for sure. Yeah. Right? They've proven that with what they're doing with USC and UCLA. Why would they give a damn? They don't have some moral high ground they're living on. All of a sudden, they're concerned about people's feelings, for God's sakes, and equality in college football. That's nonsense. What it means to me is this, is that the Big Ten, and he kind of said it there if you, if you heard it, they can now go to UW and Oregon and say, guys, your conference is falling apart. Colorado just took off. You're going to come play with us, but you're going to get 75% of what Michigan gets or 80% of what Ohio State gets. Rutgers is going to Rutgers is going to have a bigger slice of the pie than you are, right? And they'll say, okay, we're in. We have no other choice. I feel like now the big – and I remember saying this exact thing on that day. The Big Ten is now in a position where they can dictate terms to UW and Oregon more so today than they could yesterday. Yeah, and everything you just said is sound, but that's not what he said in that interview. He he said that, – I think the, that's the insinuation. That's what I'm well, saying. I th- that's I, the insinuation. I, I, I thought that they, they that somehow they felt like they don't want to be – You know, again, this is some – moral consciousness right, right. that they don't want to be the team that they're willing to be the team that takes a chunk out of the Pac-12, right. the biggest chunk, USC and UCLA, certainly USC with their history. They don't have a, 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 a any conscious in that regard, I think it's all but they don't want to be the one that yeah. actually disintegrates it's all the a cover. It's all a cover. It's all a That's cover. I said. It's all a cover for the Big Ten being able to go out and get UW and Oregon, two really if, good Browns brands at a discount if price. If you want to talk about, hey, the Big Ten, they're going to wait till Colorado or Air, and or Arizona leave the conference, and then they can leverage. They can go to Washington, and as you just said, hey, you're uh, uh, you know this the ship is sinking. You want a lifeboat or not? Right. And and then they can leverage that. Correct. In terms of the the uh, uh, the the compensation package, and and you know take a long time to get them up to yeah. uh, full compensation. I think but, it's but all that's, smoke. It's all smoke, Hugh. Yeah, but that's it's all smoke. Yeah, I get I got it. You get the, that right. I mean, well, it, it's all just a mirage to get you away from the big shiny object over here which is them getting oregon and uw at a discount and i think i think the big 10 is now in a great position and the pac-12 is dead right it's done i mean they they may be you know it's like you when somebody buys your favorite restaurant that's been in the family for 75 years and they keep it in name 
but they don't know how to yeah. run the damn thing, and it turns yeah. into a disaster. The Pac-12 logo, as you saw at Media Day, may continue in the 2024 and beyond, but it doesn't represent what it used to represent. The family's gone. They sold, man. The kids didn't want the show. They got the hell out, and somebody else has taken over. It will never be ever what it was, no. and we knew that when USC no. and UCLA took off. No. Now it's just confirmed that and um, Stuart Mandel made this point on Twitter. It's a great point. He said, look, the Big 12 has just been able to offer the Pac-12's worst team $31 million a year, while the Pac-12 has yet to even offer their best team a dollar for 2024 and beyond. So if you're Colorado, you're like, what the hell, man? Are you kidding me? Why would we not take off? Yeah, well, they're going to get more than a dollar. I mean, at some point, the media rights are they getting thirty-one million? Might go back. Go just go to the uh, the statement by the the chancellor of Colorado. Yeah, you know what? What did he reference? He 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 referenced exposure. Right. Right. Did he reference uh, stability? Yes. Everything the Pac-12 doesn't have. Yeah. He referenced. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and the other part of this too, and I I I brought this up. Can you just read the? I don't know if you have it right in front of you. What do you want to know? Sorry, just I don't just what the, the what the Colorado Chancellor said. Well, the internet's pretty big. I got to search for it, pal. It's oh, not okay. just I thought it had you. Yeah, no, no. right, right. <laughs> yeah. You had it earlier. You all right? Well, he he just said it's time for us to leave. Is what he said. I I I can bring up the exact quote if you want in a second. But just going back to Klyovkov for a second here because six days ago, and I want to bring this up because I actually want to show it to you. I think it looks different when you're staring at it. This is six days ago. What does that say right there? That headline. Is not a concern. Yeah, Just read, learn, learn. read the whole thing. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov says losing members to the Big 12 is not a concern. That was six days ago in Vegas. Yeah, he I said know. that. Okay. Yeah, there was so no, yeah. either a he's full of it and he's playing coy with the media, which I can understand why he'd do that until it's done, or b he's completely ignorant of what's happening in his own conference, and that kind of bums me out because I was really hoping that George Klyovkov could be the guy. For this conference, right after what we went through with Tom Hansen, remember that guy? After what we went through with Larry Scott and now with George Klyovkov, which is why I just, I always come back to, and I want to get your thoughts on this next segment, Hugh. I think people that gloss over the culpability of the presidents are totally missing the boat. Totally missing the boat when they do that. I want to come back and get your thoughts on that. And what... What does the future look like? Because why would you be freaked out? Why would you be angry? Why would you be mad, sad, melancholy about the Pac-12 busting up? What are reasons why this could make you nervous and have you t- torn up inside as a Husky fan? Let's come back and talk about that. Hugh Millen for Dick. Brett Boone joining us at 5. Uh, get back to the Seahawks at 528 right here from the VMAC on 93.3 KJRFM. Our nonstop coverage of Seahawks training camp continues from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. Now back to Softy and Dick on Sports Radio 93.3 KJR-FM. The Big Ten does not want to have the Pac-12's blood on its hands. They would not take, I'm told, Oregon and Washington if the conference remains at 10 schools. If some of the schools leave the Pac-12 to come to the Big 12, you could see the Big Ten come in and say, okay, well, the conference is basically disintegrating. Now we can go get Washington and Oregon. Our Brett McMurphy right there. That was back on May the 18th. Uh, did you like my explanation off the air for, for what he means by that, by the uh, blood on blood on their hands comment from the Big Ten? Yeah. Uh, that they're just able to play the integrity card for a while. Oh, well, yeah. Watch the Pac-12 fall apart. Yeah, but that's not what McMurphy's saying. He's saying that that's actually their motivation. He's not saying, hey, 
publicly they're they're saying this, but privately they want to, uh, you know, be opportunists like you know, like Potter in It's a Wonderful Life, right? right? But know, I think you know, I think that that's I think he's being told that by the Big Ten by people he talks to. I think that's the narrative that they're running with right now. I could see them trying to cover up their true intentions of trying to get Oregon and UW for ten cents on the dollar by phrasing it, uh, or excuse me, uh, putting it underneath the uh, integrity umbrella. We don't want to bust them up, and then let somebody else bust them up, and then we'll swoop in and get a discount. Well, they're going to act in their own best interest. They should. Everybody should. They're not going to sit there and say, well, this is what's best for us, given all the circumstances, but... Uh, you, you know, just morally, we can't go there. I, I, don't, I don't believe they're. Well, let me that. ask I mean, you. Look, look the, I mean, just think about what they're asking their their non-revenue athletes to do. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, to, uh, uh, softball, volleyball, blah blah blah, uh, yeah. baseball, golf, whatever. Yeah. 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 Twelve, thirteen-hour flying days. Sure. And they don't they don't fly commercial. charter the way football players do. Yeah. Chip Kelly was on with us last Friday. I asked him about that. He said, "Look, man, our our guys take a bus to the tarmac." We get off the 100%. bus, we jump on the plane, every player's got a row to themselves, or at least a seat between them. They get Correct. two meals, they get a police escort, it's not a big deal, right? And you're doing it four or five times a year. It's the other sports, like you said, that you That's talked what about, I've always said. that are flying coach, yeah. right? And they got to go through this whole rigmarole of the travel. But I, I guess it really comes, because I, I think you're exactly right, and I heard you today with Ian, um, great uh, economics lesson, too, by the way, on top of that. Yeah, I, I right. didn't think it was a lesson. I was just saying. Oh, it was what, a lesson. Uh, I mean, you could have you you con- condensed it to about 20 seconds, but I think we've got a good nine <laughs> well, minutes. Well, you got ADD. Nine, you want everything condensed. Nine-minute econ 101 was pretty good. But it's time for everybody at UW to start acting like capitalists, right, and, and, and sharks when it comes to capitalism, okay? they got to go look out for number one and not step in number two. Don't care about Wazoo, Oregon, Oregon State, anybody but themselves on Montlake. So I guess there's a lot of angst about this right now, and there should be, right? Why is that? Why would there be angst? Because UW is going to get left out and play in a crappy conference, and eventually their competition will wear off and they'll deteriorate as a power over time. They're not going to get the big-time TV deal. They're not going to have the exposure. What are we really deep down concerned about with UW? Well, first of all, are you going to be offered? Uh, I mean, if he's right that Washington would uh, would uh, say yes yesterday, and I I believe that uh, I'm to a just Big Ten at, offer. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, then then it's just okay. When's the offer forthcoming? Right. Now the Big Ten sitting there at 16 teams, and that's a a pretty logical stopping point, right? Um, and, and, because if they're gonna grow from here, you're not gonna go to 17 in all likelihood. McMurphy you know? said they're looking to add potentially two more teams from the Pac-12. Well, that'd be mix. Washington, Oregon, right. and, and then all of a sudden you're creating a Western, you know, division, a, a Pacific division of the Big Ten. Which, uh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But to me, um, everything's disintegrated. It's all new. It's it's it's. Uh, uh, look, the the nuclear bomb has already been dropped. Now it's just survive the freaking winter. <laughs> who's the cockroach? Who's gonna yeah, be the who's cockroach? Gonna exactly right. Who's I mean, gonna be the cockroach? Here? I, I, and and I I don't want to be in that position i want there to be west coast football right but, but there will be west coast I, football but i wanted to stay married right my wife just you know dropped a haymaker and left me right but there now, will I'm, be not not really i'm i'm married and but, I was but say, i'm saying everything okay at home <laughs> there will said, be yeah. there will be west coast football 
There will be USC. There will be UCLA. There will be UW. There will be Stanford and Cal. Part of the Big Ten. And they all may be a part of the Big Ten. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, look, I know why I feel the way I am. I'm trying to get you to say why you feel the way you do. So what? So if they're all part of the Big Ten and we're taking one uh, third of the Pac-12 and sticking it into the Big Ten, you still have your West Coast football, but you got it. Also mixed in yeah. with a little bit of East Coast football, uh, uh, a little he, bit of Midwest football. He, well, All of a sudden, you're going to wake up being the same conference as Michigan. Well, I can't. How s- cool would that be? Yeah, well, I can't say so what because I still would prefer right the old Pac-10. Yes. Right, and I said Pac-10. Yeah. Right. Um, Everything but Colorado and, and Utah. Yeah, I mean Colorado. Look, they were the Big Eight. They were the Big Twelve. There, there's no history there. I've already gone through, you know, the the, the to carry the analogy, the twenty thousand ton hydrogen bomb has already been dropped on the freaking West Coast. All right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a, a couple of mortars from Colorado isn't me as I'm just speaking for me as a fan. Isn't gonna move me any right? You know, it's, just, it's a little tiny bounce on the the rubble. It's what does what it, it mean? Is. What does it mean for everybody else? Is what it means. And this thing's falling well, apart. Well, what it, what it means is. Is USC, you know what I said? You heard me say to Ian, here USC and Notre Dame are uh, have been rivals for decades, right? And they both have some similarities, a lot of differences, but the similarities in terms of they got a lot of juice yeah. in terms of of their brand. And for SC to have t- been part of a conference and taken the value of that brand and what they could do if they were strictly acting on their own best interest, they could do more. Right, They've been right. willing to subsidize the rest of this conference in ways that Notre Dame never did. Let's get a break. Uh, we'll talk some baseball and then back to the Seahawks at 528. Brett Boone's going to join us, courtesy of VenueKings.com, next on 93.3 KJRFM. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.